So many awesome things happening. We are in the middle of our 21 day of prayer and fasting, everybody. It's been so awesome. So if you haven't jumped on board yet, there's still time. You can find a little place where maybe God is speaking to you to sacrifice a little bit. Maybe it's McDonald's or Oreo cookies or... I know I haven't ate McDonald's in years, but whatever your little thing is, you want to sacrifice that, spend some time with the Lord, and just jump on board where we're at. We're having such a wonderful time. Uh, Thursday night prayer has been so awesome. Uh, last Thursday night I heard was a beautiful spirit. I wasn't able to be here. So we have one more Thursday night. So if you want to join us this Thursday night at 7 p.m., we have one more prayer during our 21 days of fasting. Amen? You guys excited today? Amen. It's hot, I know. we got to get our electrolytes going. A little extra caffeine, amen? <laughs> you guys are awesome. So I want to, today's a very special day, and we're going to do this at the end of the service so that we can release into a wonderful celebration with our amazing family. But today we're releasing Pastor Bo and Say into their calling and what God has for them and, and whatever mission that is. It's huge, and it's to... Uh, an incredible group of people, and the Lord's going to open doors, and so it's a bittersweet day for us as a church family, but you know, when God's in something, he just graces it, you know, and I love that. We've been, I've been studying about relationships in the Bible, and there's so many times where people who loved each other parted ways, but it didn't break friendship. It didn't break relationship. They just parted ways for their, for their calling and their destiny. And then you see their paths come back together. And so that's what this is going to be. They are friends of our ministry. They are families of, their, of this ministry. There are roots that are really deep in this church. And so you can never take that away. They came under bishop's covering. And so, um, but we're excited. We're celebrating with you guys today. And we'll do that at the end of the service. Amen? Okay, well, I'm excited. How many of you were not here last Sunday? Just shoot up really quick. Okay, most of you were here. Wonderful. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's message, I started a series on atmosphere carriers, that we carry the atmosphere of God. And last Sunday, I really broke down what an atmosphere was, the aroma of his atmosphere. So if you haven't listened to that, jump online. You can listen to it for free. But today, I want to carry that on, and I want to talk to how we are atmosphere carriers, that as Christ followers, we carry the presence of God wherever we go. Hi, Naomi. I just have to say hi to her. I'm always texting her. I see family coming home, and it's so exciting. But wherever we go, we have the presence of God with us. And I want to show you in the Old Testament where it was symbolically God showed us that we actually carry the anointing of God. Now, when you study the Old Testament, it's the outward expression, right, whatever you see outward into the inward working of Christ in us today. So what we see in the Old Testament, we don't do in the natural, thank God. I don't go have to find a couple doves. God only knows I'd never be able to confess my sins. I'm a horrible hunter, right? But we don't have to do the works of the flesh. But in the spirit, God's showing you that you're a carrier of his presence. So what he's doing in the old, we still carry in the new, but in his grace, which is so exciting, Amen. So we're going to study a little bit today about the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of wherever the Ark was, the presence of God was. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, what other group was carrying it, um, was the favor of God, the blessings of God. Um, when the Philistines stole it, though, the Philistines took it. It actually pronounced judgment to them, and they broke out in tumors and all kinds of diseases and death. And they're like, send the Ark back where it belongs. They didn't want it in their presence. And so the desire was to always have the Ark in your presence because it resembled that God was with you. 
And so in scripture, if you go back in the Old Testament, Moses designed and gave instruction to how the ark should be carried because the presence of God should be reverenced, amen. The presence of God should be respected. And I'm excited because I believe God is bringing that back to his church today, that he's really bringing a reverence back to his presence. He's bringing just a stillness in worship and, and just going back to the roots of why the church was created, and that was for the presence of God and for a relationship with God. And so Moses said the Levites should carry the Ark of the Covenant, and it should be carried this way, should be carried on poles, and nobody should touch it or they will die. Now, again, we're in grace, but what you see as you study scripture, time had went by, and what the original assignment for the ark and the reverence of it and the respect had kind of lost its way a little bit, and the next generations, a couple generations went by, and they weren't abiding by the way that Moses said the ark should be handled, and that's where we pick up in this story. So I want to look at 1 Chronicles 13, verse 7. David was going back to get the Ark of the Covenant, bring it back to the children of Israel, and this is what Scripture says. It says, so they carried the Ark of God on a new cart. Everybody say new cart. See, what they did is they weren't abiding by the reverence of the way that Moses said the Ark should be carried in respect, but they put it on a new cart. And I think in the church world today, and I'm not critical of the church, I love the church as the bride of Christ, but we get kind of caught up in new programs and a new way of doing this, this, and how about if we change that, and how about if we offer this program, and all those things are wonderful, amen? We have programs, and I want to do a lot of those things to build relationships and friendships, but God was saying, what I'm doing in this time is not about new programs, I want to bless my presence. I want to bring my anointing into the house of God. I want to bring my reverence back to the house of God. And so the scripture says they carried the new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio and drove the cart. And what happened was as they were carrying on this new cart, they did not know how to handle the presence of God. They didn't know how to carry it correctly. And so what happened was when they stumbled and fell, because they weren't carrying it the way they were supposed to, Uzzah reached out and touched the ark, and he was instantly killed. Now, thank God we're in grace. Amen. Nobody's going to die. But what God is saying is we've got to respect what the presence of God brings. And so what I love about David and what he did is he wasn't in a hurry to say, well, we've got to do whatever we do to get the presence of God here. We've got to manufacture it. We've got to carry everybody and get angry and frustrated. He said, no, I'm going to slow down a minute. Because we, we're not doing it the way we're supposed to do it. Does that sound like what we're living in right now? God says, slow down, world. Slow down, church. I want to have things slow down to get things back where they need to be. That's why my heart's cry is for revival. My heart's cry is for a move of God. My heart's cry is for signs, wonders, and miracles, and the true presence of God. And this generation that is rising up, they want to see the true God. They need to see the power of God, amen. So when we as his church that are so accustomed to his presence, remember that I carry the presence of God wherever I go. And so David slows, slows things down and he said, let's leave the ark at Oben-Edom's house. Obed-Edom struck gold. He hit the lottery. The Bible said the ark was left with him for three months, and guess what? His family was extremely blessed. See, when you have the presence of God in your life, 
you are blessed. And guess what? You have the presence of God. If you have Jesus living in your life and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have the presence of God. You carry the presence of God through his grace and his mercy. And that means wherever I go as his kid, I am blessed. Wherever I go, I'm favored. I'm promoted. I'm put at the head of the line. There's healings that follow my life. People are set free when they follow me. Why? Because I know what I carry. Because I know in Barb Pruitt, there is nothing I can do. Like, y'all would not want me to pray for you because of Barb. But when I know I carry the presence of God, it's the anointing of God that sets people free. When you're sharing the love of Jesus, it's the anointing of God that sets them free. When you're laying hands on the sick, it's the anointing of God that sets them free. You are not a carrier because you deserve it. Nothing we can do to carry the presence of God. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve lives to be changed. I don't deserve people to be set free. But his presence that I carry has to manifest that miracles when I allow faith to be activated because of his spirit in my life. That means every one of us in this room are carriers of the presence of God. When you're getting gas, God's presence is all over that gas station. When you're shopping at the grocery store, God's presence is all over that fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. And when we realize that as his kids, that it's not based on how I feel or my emotions or how religious I say things. No, I have his presence so I can activate faith at any moment that I need faith and God can move on my behalf. Isn't that good? And God wants us to remember that as his kids. He's shaking his church. He said, get a plan together. We've been talking since March of separation that God's reviving us personally. It's personal revival time right now, right? It's God getting our faith back, getting our fire back, getting our first love back with the Father. And I love it. God's challenging his church. Why? Because he wants the church to shine in this hour. But we have to take a personal responsibility that God is with me. Isn't that good? So what did David do? He waited three months, and he went back to the original plan. He said, we got to go back to what did Moses say at the very beginning, and let's bring that order back to the presence of God. And that's what God is doing with his church. He's shaking it. He's shaking off all the things that we thought brought great church, and maybe it did for a season because times change. But God is saying, not anymore. I'm going to get back to just my presence. I want to get back to just my anointing and my power to be manifested in the church. Isn't that good? I don't know. I've been in ministry 30 years, and I love ministry. But I tell you, ministry can get boring if God is not manifesting his power. And I am so ready for church to be fun. Not about another program, not about cutting, counting heads. It's not about any of that. God, are you setting people free? God, are you delivering them? Are you restoring marriages? Are lost children coming back to the kingdom of Jesus? That's what the church of Jesus Christ should look like. And when we are doing that, we don't have to worry about filling the church. They will come because they will be so on fire. And they won't come alone. They're going to come with people in their hand that they have reached with the presence of God. Man, church is getting fun, guys. It's not religion anymore. It's going to be fun. I believe we are living in a time where, yeah, I think the third act is coming on the scene, you know, where the end times are coming, but we are not in the end of the end times. 
We're not in the doomsday time. It looks doomsday, but God's glory has to shine first. There's a harvest that is ripe. The scripture says, put the sickle in because the harvest is ready to come forth. The church has to shine in this hour, amen? His glory needs to shine, but it's going to come with people who say, I know I carry God in my life. And I want that to be manifested. So in 1 Chronicles, let's look at what David said in in chapter 15, verse 2. Then David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. And you can go back and study the Levites. We don't have time to go into that. But they carried the tabernacle in the desert. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God to minister before him forever. He was bringing back the respect of his presence. Verse 15, and the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So what what do we need to see today? You carry the presence of God. You're not responsible for the manifestation. We can take our hands off of it, but we have to know that symbolically God said, you are carrying my presence. And it's not for an elite group. Come on, somebody. It's not for pastors who are ordained. Are you kidding me? We can only do so much for the kingdom. Every one of you carry the presence of God in your life. And the sooner we realize that and get that revelation, we will win this world to Jesus Christ. So what do we do? As followers of Christ, we carry that atmosphere in our spirit. That means everywhere I go, my Holy Spirit is alive. I can quicken the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I can quicken the praying in tongues, which is the perfect will of God. I don't have time to go into the Holy Spirit teaching, but you know the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, he is there with you. We carry that anointing in our moods. Guess what? We don't have to be angry and frustrated we can get control over depression and fear and those things that engulf you and you feel like you're not able to be set free but when you know the presence of God comes it can shift your mood because you know you're not going through it alone you have God standing right alongside with you and he is partnering with you whatever you're feeling and whatever you're going through amen so let's talk about this what happens when you know that you're a carrier of the atmosphere of God Remember, not based on how you feel, because you're his kid. Say, I'm his kid. Do you believe it? Then you carry his presence. So when you know that, when you know that, you now become contagious to everybody around you. That's, we're talking about supernatural. You're contagious. I gave the example really quick at the end of service last week. But Paul and Silas, Silas, they were locked up in prison, obeying God, doing the will of God, in a dirty, stinky dungeon. And what did they do? They knew that their atmosphere carried Jesus, carried God. And they decided, I'm going to worship in a dark place. I'm going to worship where I feel like I've been in bondage. And because of that, everyone around them caught the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Every one of them were set free. So if you and your family are at your job, if you could really know the atmosphere when you walk into your job, people are hurting. People are depressed. The world doesn't have answers. A lot of, we don't have all, even in some churches, we don't have the answers. And when you walk in, you have to have confidence that your righteous spirit, your love for God will become contagious to those around you. 
See, we're so comfortable with the presence of God. I grew up at five years old with the presence of God in our home. I'm just, it's normal to me. But the world, it's not normal. So when you show up, you're creating a different atmosphere. Man, I love, they may say, I love it when you show up on the job. I don't know, something just changes when you're here. Even like, I know, it's Jesus. I carry the presence of God in my life, amen. We're contagious for the Lord. We also carry a state of mind. That means I can be positive in an unpositive time. If you look at the story of Esther, Queen Esther was challenged at a level she was not prepared for. It came out of nowhere, and she, wanted, she decided to save her people and be used by God. But guess what? She didn't get in her emotions over it. She didn't wring her hands about it. You know what Esther did? She slowed everything down. And she said, we're going to declare a fast. You tell the people, we're going to stop, we're going to fast, and we're going to hear from God. That's a person who understands the atmosphere that I have to hear what God is trying to say so I can make the best decision that needs to be made. And guess what? Because she did that, she slowed down. She was able to hear the voice of God. She got a plan from God. And not only that, the king, she walked into the king. He could have killed her. But he, as soon as he saw her, he put out his scepter. He said, what do you want, Esther? Up to the kingdom, it's yours. I'd have been like, well, I need this, Jesus. <laughs> king, I need, you know. But she said no. And she continued to walk in wisdom until what? God redeemed her through her wisdom. She understands that she carries God in her life, and you can change things. You can change things to be positive, amen, and be ready when you need to make good decisions. Okay, atmosphere carriers are um, thermometers. They're atmosphere thermometers. You can raise the, the good things when you walk into a room, but in negativity, you can also lower it. Or you could lower fear when you walk into a room. You carry the thermostat of what's going on. That means when you show up at a family function and everybody's crazy. <laughs> Not our families, <laughs> right? But when you show up, you change the atmosphere. Where there may be frustration and fear going on and they're worried about politics. But you walk in the room and your atmosphere changes the thermometer, the thermometer of that atmosphere. It means you can give peace to people. You can give hope to people. You can give joy to people. Why? Because you know God is on your side. You can lower fear. Isn't this wonderful? You've got to know the power of God that you serve and begin to walk in that confidence and that authority. Thank you, Jesus. Number four, when you know the presence of God, you, you have the atmosphere to change moods. And the scripture verse that I wanted to look at today with that is Joseph. Now, Joseph was sold. He was put in a pit. By his brothers, his own family members, he was sold into Egyptian slavery, he was lied about, he was thrown into prison, he had all this stuff going on that looked like, God, where are you at? Has anybody ever been there? Like, why is this happening, and why am I where I'm supposed to be, and why did I have to go through this, and we wonder, but Joseph knew his God. He knew God. He knew that God was on his side, and you never saw him in all of his stories complain and get angry and get frustrated. He always pulled on the faithfulness of God in every situation where it didn't seem like God showed up. And now you've got this story. Fast forward. He's now number two in command of the nation. God has promoted him through his faithfulness, and his family shows up on the scene. His brothers come back to get grain and get food for the family members. And he says to his family, where's Benjamin? Benjamin was his little brother. Apparently, he really loved Benjamin a lot. 
And this is where the story comes. They go and get Benjamin, and they bring him to him. And look what he does in Genesis 43, 30. Now his heart yearned for his brother, so Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. He had all of these emotions. He had all of these feelings, but he knew that in that moment, he could not burst his emotions and how he felt publicly. He had to go somewhere private to weep before God. And we're living in a time where we have all kinds of emotions. We have emotions from everything that's happening in the world. And our first nature is, I'm just going to explode and tell everybody how I feel. Now, I'll premise this like I did first service. I have not been on Facebook, so if you've done any posts, I don't know, okay? So I just can preach with confidence. But in this season, we're boldly declaring we're mad about this. We're mad about that, and I'm frustrated with this. But a person who knows God is in this nation. God is in control. You're going to take those emotions, and you're going to go somewhere privately and cry out to God. Why? Because I know what's on my life. I don't want to present fear to those around me. I want to present the power of God in every situation. So there's sometimes we need to get those emotions, right, the mood under control so that I can display the presence of God and what I'm going through. Now, I believe if Joseph would have said all the things he went through, boy, that made me mad. How could you betray? How come you took my favorite coat from me? Why would you lie to my dad? All of these emotions, guess what? That would have been his reality, and he'd have set the mood of the atmosphere to go down. But he decided, I'm not going to give in to what I feel. I'm going to go and cry out to God, and I'm going to get it all together, and I'm going to come back. And Joseph had that redeeming moment. Chapters forward, he was able to actually tell his family that who he was, and he loved them, and he cried, and he embraced them. But a person who knows the atmosphere of God can discern the moments of when I can say something, when I can do something, and when I can't. Amen? So if you look at Genesis 50, verse 20, I love this. Joseph is such a good example of trials. It says this, Genesis 50, verse 20. You guys got it? Okay, but as for you, this is Joseph talking, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. See, whatever you're going through, whatever the enemy's throwing your way, yeah, he wants to destroy you, but God meant it for good. God built faith in us. God built courage in us. God built faithfulness in us. God will always turn everything around for good for the believer. And why does he do it? In order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. What is God's heart, people? What is God's desire? Lives being changed and saved by his power. So if his church can get it together, amen, put our moves, put our opinions on the back shelf. They don't matter. My opinions don't matter. What matters is what does the word of God have to say? What does the the promises of the word of God have to say in my life? And that's what I'm going to live by. And when you have that, you go home and you're actually happy. You wake up and you expect God to show up on the scene. Why? Because you know God's in control and you are not. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So let's look quickly this morning. And we're going to be talking about atmosphere changes, but I want to talk about the supernatural part of atmosphere. So as Christ followers, we are atmosphere architects. So you create the atmosphere that you desire. So I want to talk about one of them this morning, a supernatural atmosphere, and it's this. 
It's the atmosphere of an open heaven. Everybody say open heaven. There's a heaven that opens up over his kids. That there's a spiritual principle, and we're going to go through quite a few scripture verses here. But as a Christ follower, you have a window of heaven that opens up for the presence and the power of God to come down on. Can you imagine if we woke up every morning with that faith and saying, God, I see your heavens opened up over me. I see your glory on me and my family. I see your favor that I walk in today. If we wake up knowing that there's a spiritual heaven that opens up over his kids, you will have faith to move mountains. You will have miracles begin to manifest when you're connecting to what God is doing. So let's take a look at this. Number one, the atmosphere of an open heaven. Heaven. Let's look at Genesis 7, verse 11. And it says this. And again, I'm showing you symbolically from the Old Testament and what's happening into the New. Genesis 7, 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up. And the, what's the word? Windows of heaven were opened. See, the earth could not be rained on unless God allowed the window to open up. The heavens obey God. So there's the opening of the heavens. And what happened? It rained for 40 days and it rained for 40 nights, right? It flooded the earth. So let's fast forward to Genesis 8, chapter 2, after they have been in this boat for a while. And it says this, and God remembered Noah. Let's just stop right there because we can give a great big hallelujah. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're in, God sees you. You are not too far from his presence. You are not out of reach. He hasn't forgotten you. Why? Because his presence, we carry his, his presence. So we may not feel like he's near to us, but he has not forgotten you. And then it goes on to say what? Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. Does it go on to say? Let me keep reading. I may not give it to you guys. And it says this, and the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven, right? Remember they were open. Now the windows of heaven have stopped or closed and the rain from heaven was restrained. So what do we see here? We see God opening a window, and we see God closing a window. Number one point with open heaven supernaturally is it releases the will of God. So there are times in our life where there are shut doors. Has anybody ever had a shut door? And you wonder, why didn't God open that door? Why didn't I get that job? Why didn't I get that promotion? Why didn't what I was believing God for happen yet? We don't know. But there's an open heaven and there's a closed heaven. And it's not about rules and regulations and if you did something right and didn't do something right. It's about the timing of God. And that's where we can rest in it. That I know God is still with me. I know his presence is still in my life. And if I have a shut door right now, it's okay. Because at any moment, God's going to open up the heavens over my life. And the will of God is going to be manifested in my life. I've always told the Lord this. I said, God knows where I live. God knows my address. He knows 949 East Bell Road. There is nothing we can do but continue to worship God. Continue to let faith be arise in our hearts. And allow God to open and close the doors as he sees wish. Amen. As he sees fit. Thank you. Totally had a brain cramp. 
Sorry, I was like clawing for that word. Thank you. <laughs> so number two, what happens? There's the empowerment of God. If you look at Mark, and I want to read this, Mark chapter 1, verses 9, and it says this. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting, or that word means opening, and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now you've got Jesus, the son of God, being water baptized. And what happened? Heaven opened over Jesus. So it shows you that open heaven again, supernaturally. But this word open, when it parted, was not the same word open that we studied earlier. That just meant opening. This one, that separation, literally means a violent, uh, to tear violently and to divide by rending. Now, what does that remind you of when Jesus died on the cross? The curtain was rent in two. It was a violent, and God was showing at that moment when his son came, heaven was rent open. It was torn in two. That means that as his kids, I have access to an open heaven anytime I need it. It's been rent. It's been torn in two. That means when I see the open heaven, I can see the blessings of God coming in my life. It's not by my works, thank God. It's by grace and mercy that follows me all the days of my life. You have that open heaven, amen? And Jesus made that way. And the spirit, there you see the spirit, descended on him like a dove. You have the Holy Spirit's empowerment in this journey of the open heaven. And then a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. I love this story. When God first had that enlightened in my spirit, I went, man, God loves us when we do nothing for him. Jesus had not performed a miracle Jesus had not done anything but just follow the will of God in his life. And God says, before you do anything, I want you to know I validate you by my love and not by what you do. Oh, man. That should set us free. That means I carry his atmosphere no matter how I feel or how imperfect my life is. I mean, we need to have conviction of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You know, we need to have repentance of things that Holy Spirit's challenging us. But you know what I mean. It's not perfection. I have his presence in my life everywhere I go because his son made a way for me. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit came and that spirit drove him into the wilderness. His first order was to defeat the enemy. So when you know the open heaven, you can defeat the enemy in your life. It's so good. Thank you, Jesus. The first miracle, number three, we've got uh, open heaven does uh, the will of God. It gives you empowerment, and it gives miracles. In Mark chapter 7, verse 34, this is so good. Jesus went to pray for a deaf and mute man, and it says this. Uh, let's see. Mark seven thirty-four, And um, I'm going to start in verse 33, and it says, He took him aside from the multitude. Now catch this revelation. And he put his finger, Jesus, in the man's ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. And I'm like, you ever wonder why Jesus did stuff like that? Like this. But I feel like the Lord was showing us that you need to know that it's always the touch of Jesus is the source of healing. Jesus is the source of healing. He said, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to spit on him. I'm going to rub mud in their eyes, whatever he wants to do, because I am the source. Don't get that wrong. 
And that's how I can pray the prayer of faith because I'm not the one that has to spit in their eye. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus already did it. Right? Thank you. We have that authority he, because he says it's me. It's his presence, but it's, I'm a conduit. I'm a conduit of his presence. I'm a conduit of his anointing and his victory and all of that. He's responsible to do it. But then in verse 34, then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, Ephatha. And it means be open. What's well, that? Open miracle. He was instantly healed of deafness and muteness. The miracle of God. Why? Because Jesus opens things up. Amen. And it releases miracles in our life. Malachi 3.10, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but you know the blessing and giving scripture. You can look that up, but I want to close with this in Revelations 19. The last and final window that is going to open up is going to be the return of our Lord and Savior. He's going to rent the heavens wide open, amen, for his wondrous, wonderful, glorious return. And in Revelations 19, verse 11, he says this, I saw heaven opened, thank you, Jesus, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Woo, I can't even imagine what that horse is going to look like. Lord, that's going to be so awesome. And he judges, and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He, he had a name written that no one knew except himself. I wonder what that name is. We already know he's king of kings and lord of lords. I cannot wait to know what that name is. And, the, and verse 14, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Woo! We serve a risen Savior, a mighty God. He's all-powerful. And if we can get the revelation that we have, this glory that he's going to put on display, we have that power right here, right now. And when the church realizes that, we will begin to explode in the glory and the wondrous of God here on earth. Amen? Woo, Hummy's enjoying this. I tell you, I've been enjoying studying it. <laughs> and that is no joke. So quickly, what is an open heaven? It's the nearness of heaven on earth. Supernatural open heaven, it's heaven here on earth. It's a sense of his presence. Amen. It's a clarity of my thought, my heart, my mind. You have a clarity that's unusual that the world doesn't have, but you have. Awareness of the presence of God does this. It creates faith. Faith creates miracles. So the more you realize his presence in the open heaven, the more miracles will begin to release in your life. Jesus never reacted to the darkness around him. He always responded to the Father. Never reacted to the darkness. Why? Because he knew the glory of God in his life. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and do our salvation prayer now because we want to bless our beautiful family today. So if you just close your eyes and maybe you're here 
this morning and you need to make things right with the Lord, maybe there's just a conviction that the Lord kind of spoke to your heart and you're ready to let that thing go, this is the time to do that. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. This is definitely the time to do that. But I'd like all of us to say this prayer together. It's a prayer of just saying, God, I need you to be God in my life. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I need you. You know you're in need of a Savior today. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. God makes it so easy because he sent his son, but you have to receive. So I want us all to say this prayer together. Say, Father God, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. I need you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Give me a revelation that I carry your presence and there's a supernatural open heaven over my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a praise.